like I think all unlearning fat phobia is about for me is like being able to exist and be comfortable in your body and thank your body for what it's carried you through, regardless of what it looks like. And like treat your body with kindness. Right. Right. And right. kindness does look like, you know, hydrating enough and like getting in movement where it makes sense and feeding yourself whole foods. Like, but kindness to your body doesn't have to equal starving yourself or killing yourself in the gym or trying to make your body, your body built the way it is. Right. If you have polycystic ovarian syndrome or thyroid issues or whatever, first of all, it's no one's business, right. They're not right, your doctor, right, right. but why can't people just be like, mm-hmm. but it's because so many folks are, are hell bent on believing that they don't have internal work to do around these issues. Right. Even so many people that share this identity, right. That are also fat people. Right. right. Um, like they're viewing fat as inherently wrong. I'm Charmant. I'm Katie. And this is Unpacking Ethical. A podcast where we sip our favorite drinks at the moment. And talk about some things. Because there's nothing ethical about upholding the status quo. Let's talk about it. This week on Unpacking Ethical. Hey. Hi. (laughs) Welcome back to another great week for Unpacking Ethical. Um, I want to talk, we're going to talk about... um, beauty standards and fat phobia with our good friend, my good friend. I don't know if you and Sharmon have met before, but I think we're y'all are cross friends. Yeah, we're Twitter friends. We're Twitter friends. <laughs> <laughs> um, Celeste and I have become friends, be- become pretty close. Uh, I think since 2019, we did that, yep. that, um, that panel. Yes, the For Us Bias event. For Us Bias uh, event, and then BFC, Black Futures Collective. Shout out to them. Um, and so it's so nice to have you here with us. Um, talking about this. I'm so happy to be here. Thank you for, for inviting me to the space. I'm excited. So we have a ritual. We always share what we're drinking, what we're sipping on. So I'll, I guess I'll let you start. What are you drinking tonight? I am sipping on water. Nice. <laughs> Stay hydrated. Gotta keep it cute. Keep it hydrated. <laughs> what about you, Sherman? What you got? Okay. I've got, you know, I got my little my little secondhand mug with my turtles. I'm a little obsessed with turtles. Celeste and I were just talking about tortoises. I was trying to adopt one. (laughs) They're precious. (laughs) But in there, so I've got some red ginseng tea. So it's taking me back a little bit. I used to live off these packages when I lived in Korea. Um, And I don't know, I just, they just, it just feels holistic and I'm just needing some extra oomph today. Yeah. Go for it. I love that. I was thinking about, you said you were, th- you wanted a pet tortoise. I did. <laughs> I was thinking about I'm weird that, like that. No, I think that's great. I've been thinking about different like pets for castle. And that's something that has come up a few times. So I don't know. I think that might be, a, that could be a good idea. I don't know. See, I'm, I'm also loving the idea of like a pig or a goat, but I'm like, I need a house and a yard for that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You, well, so right I, now. I, I love goats and I'm like, I feel that. I feel that. They're precious, aren't they, goats? They're so cute. I have a family friend that has one and she was like, do not get a goat, don't. But I'm like, I'm not going to heed your warning when I have a house. You're going to do it anyway. (laughs) (laughs) I'm going to have a goat. We love to see it. (laughs) Come Um, on, on, Black folks with farm animals. Hey, hey. 
I love seeing that. I love seeing, like, especially, like, not last year, but the year before, it was, like, just everywhere where you were starting to see more, it was more visible, I would say. It's not that it hasn't been happening, but more, like, Black people, like, farming and gardening and, like, we out here. I don't know what it's like now because things have shifted a lot over the past year and a half and people have been affected in a um, variety of ways, but it's nice to see Black people with the land. You know? Absolutely, because I think, right, like that, you know, Texas agriculture was literally like built on our backs. And so mm-hmm. I think, you know, and especially at least for me, right, like going back um, at least four generations, my family had a lot of land um, mm. up in uh, up in uh, East Texas. And so um, back in the day, like, I don't know where that land is now or, or, or to whom it belongs, but I think it's beautiful to see people returning to that. Like, you know, yeah. especially with gardening, right? Like folks that are like getting into the space of like, it's our roots, right? I think there's something right. interesting about it. It yes. is. I mean, I remember, I mean, my family still has land in South Carolina and they they don't farm as much, but there's a lot of gardening and like walnut trees, lemon trees, chickens. And I remember like my grandfather taking us out and us, you know, playing with the goats, trying to feed the goats. He'd be telling us to stay away from them goats before they eat our hand. <laughs> but, but we love to play with them animals. And I think it, it does. It just takes you back. And there's just um, something inherent hearing about being on the land and working with the land. And- yeah, it feels good. It feels yeah. good. And I can say that as somebody who started off small, just like doing stuff with Castle, we uh, planted some cucumbers. We've done oregano, basil. Mm-hmm um clover like just small little things and I have some house plants but it's just something about honestly I I know what people say when they like your hands in the dirt and soil it's it just there's I think it's it, the best way is like you feel very connected you know what I mean in a way that I don't think we get to experience that all the time especially like as black American people right. with so many um kind of like um familial disconnections and and historically we've all kind of been separated from that in some some way shape or form and so like it just is nice putting your hands in the soil and getting dirty I don't know I enjoy it I need to do it more I was gonna say I gotta have some gloves on though because you see these these towels (laughs) why you're looking at me like that I love I was was like "Uh uh-huh like (laughs) mind you I've become obsessed with house plants and I have a ton of them Mm -hmm. and like Mm -hmm. um but like repotting I still be like hold on like gotta protect the nails but no but but in all honesty like I'd like to and I've expressed this I think to you before like I'd like to get into gardening now that I I own a home like I'd love yeah I should come over there we can do some stuff Come teach me something. I'm ready. I'm, I'm we going to learn together now. I, I'm not. <laughs> you said, I can't teach you. Well, I'm down. I'm definitely down. <laughs> I'm like, look, I'm like, I'll kill a succulent in a heartbeat, but I do love Shaman, to be, Shaman, I collect plants to kill. I mean, she might be killing her, but she'd be loving them to death, though, until they're on their last time. It doesn't matter. You still giving them lovely lives, okay? <laughs> Get, just giving them a nice home. <laughs> Yeah. Well, we'll jump right in. I, I'll share. I'm my drink isn't as exciting. I just had a taste with some orange juice today. So and awesome. yes. there's one store I don't want to mention them, but they have a great, delicious uh store brand orange juice. It's like just a squeezed one and it's very, very refreshing. So that's what I'm having today. Um, so speaking of orange juice. This has nothing to do with what I'm about. <laughs> I was like, I knew it. I was like, no, nah, nothing got to do with orange juice. nothing to do with orange juice. I will jump right into, though, talking about, like, you know, unpacking beauty standards, unpacking fat phobia specifically. 
um, because, you know, Sharmon and Sharmon will be able to have a lot to share on this too, Celeste. Um, but in the sustainable fashion space, I guess a lot of myself included, we naively thought coming into this space because it's supposed to be kind of like a place where that's opposite of what you would normally see in mainstream fashion, right. um, that things would be different. We thought, oh, well, we were, you know, there are no rules or regulations here. So we kind of get to make our own rules and do things differently and start fresh. And that is not something that we've seen at all. Like we still battle limited sizing issues, even though the average size um, in this country specifically is like, I think 16 was the last I heard. And a lot of brands still only go up to like a size 12. Yeah, right. um, and, and, you know, we very early when I came into it, I even saw, you know, brands continuing the whole very thin, very young white models, you know, representing their brands. And that's harmful for a lot of reasons. Um, but the biggest is that it's perpetuating those same harms of this is who gets to be visible. This is who we want right. to see. This is also who gets to wear these clothes. Mm -hmm. And if we're talking about like specifically like, and we'll expand on this, but if we're talking about sustainability and, and ethics, like there's one face being placed with that. And that's also an issue. So I don't know. I just was curious. I want to, I guess I want to start off by asking you like, you know, how, what your personal like journey um, in dealing with um, fat phobia has been like, you can talk about fashion, whatever you want to, but I just, we'll jump right in with that, I guess. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And I think just it, it would be easiest for me to talk about fashion first and then kind of go mm -hmm. into like what my journey has been and, you know, how I've navigated like beauty standards, right. And, um, that society has. And so, um, fashion wise, right. Like I wear a size 24, I am like full on plus size. And I want to name, even before I get into talking about like sustainable and ethical fashion brands, um, looking at the fact that like fashion as is, even when marketing to plus size people does not market to people with plus size bodies, right? The right. plus size model you're seeing has a flat tummy, a yes. fat ass, can I cuss? A fat ass. Yes. <laughs> a flat tummy, a fat ass, right? And it's like, it's this perfect, what do they call it? Um, pear shape, right? Right, and right. That is what you see as like, the at the forefront of like plus size modeling and plus size modeling even if you remember america's next top model back in the day right like they had like takara who is literally just what you would call thick right now yeah, right like, right, right. Um, you have people that are like size 10 size 12 right because traditional fashion as is right is like really about the straight and narrow quite literally and so i think that um just in fashion in general, right? Like for me being size 24, I can't walk into most stores and have access to things. Most right. stores that are even big box stores, right? And so it's, I found it to be even more difficult when it comes to trying to like shop like ethically and sustainably. Right. And, and I'm pretty vocal about the fact that, you know, when people when people shit on like fast fashion, like for fair reasons, I think a lot of folks are not looking at it through the nuanced lens that like for some folks, um, it's the only for especially plus size folks it's the only affordable option right because right, right. The brands that i do know right are so expensive um there's one in particular and i think i've shared with you before um that goes up to like an 8x um and makes like the most beautiful dresses i've ever seen and they're like 175 to 250 dollars and like that's right. like that's like i don't know i think part of ethical fashion is also making sure it's accessible and right. like fashion has never been accessible to people like me and so um 
I guess that's a good segue kind of into like my own journey, right? Like growing up, you know, my, like, as long as I can remember, I've been a big girl, right? Like, I think it was around when I was nine is like when I got a little chubby, mm-hmm. um, because I developed polycystic ovarian syndrome. Then it took me mm-hmm. until I was 18 years old to be diagnosed, but, right. um, you know, I've always been a bigger girl and I grew up hating myself, right? Like, let's call it what it is. Like right. Back then, right. As I was coming up, right. I was born in 93. I'm 27. So I'm not like, I, like I wasn't so much in the nineties as most folks, but even still, if you're like, I think media, right. Like right, right. From very young, um, what was in was like the super thin girls with the low rise jeans, oftentimes white, if not white, right. Often with Eurocentric features. Um, and so like, I grew up just really just, I hated my curly hair. I hated being thicker. I hated like everything about myself, which is an awful way for a little black girl to grow up. Right. Right. Like, and even acknowledging the privilege that comes in being light-skinned with that, like still there was no representation. And so I always grew up at odds with my body, even though I was a really active kid, I played in sports until I was 18 years old. And like, I just, it was just such like a negative relationship. And it would be hard when I'd go back to school shopping my one time a year at JCPenney, right? And, you know, all the, all the cute clothes they didn't have in my size, right? Like in the girls plus sizes, I already realized then that there were like different uh, and less options. And so it was, it was hard, like to be 110% honest with you, like growing to like love my body, like has been a journey up until even now, right? Even now I'm navigating it. And, um, you know, I think that in the past two years in particular, like I've really been repairing my relationship around food, my relationship around fashion, um, my relationship around like how I move through the world and take up space as Mm -hmm. a fat woman. And, um, it's been liberating, but it's still tough, right? Like, for example, one thing that I'm doing right now is trying to be more kind to my body and in me being more kind to my body, I'm trying to move more and like eat more whole foods but like everything in my soul is like, we need to start counting calories again. And you need to start running again. Like, you know, even though I'm no longer in a space where I'm like doing this to like lose weight, I'm just doing it to be healthy. I like, there are still such toxic traits that are like, that were, you know, ingrained in my head. Right. And so, um, fat phobia is just rampant, right? Like there's nowhere I can turn where it's still not an issue. Right. It has taken a lot of self-work, a lot of therapy, um, and a lot of, a lot of unfollowing and removing, you know, these mainstream images of beauty from my life. Right. Like I follow a lot of body positive and fat positive, uh, black women on Instagram, right. Mm-hmm. Also on TikTok, you know, just on social media in general. And, um, I know I'm kind of all over the place, but like, I'm just kind of sharing like where I'm at. And, and you know what, I mentioned TikTok and it's funny because there's been this phenomenon going on, um, where at current, there are men on that app that will literally for the sake of getting followers and comments, likes, subscribes, talk about how much they love big women. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, y'all was the same ones teasing us in high school and also right. hate ourselves. <laughs> like, but now, now that it's popping, like you're here. And yeah. so like, you know, like, that phobia has like impacted every area of my life, right? Especially in dating, right? Like, of course, everybody, like I got a bomb personality. I was a late bloomer, you know, all the good stuff. And so everybody want to be with me in private, but like growing up, even in my early twenties, right? It's like, that's it, right? You know, you cool, but not, I can date you publicly cool. Not, you know, 
I can be seen with you cool. And I think that all comes down to beauty standards and like perception and how people view you. Right. And, and right. even then, sorry, I feel like I'm going on a tangent, but one more thing I want to say, talking, is, <laughs> one more thing I want to say is like the hypersexualization of my fat body, right? Like right. now like as a grown ass woman, like that is what I encounter the most when dating on dating apps, right? Like it is just like, I am fetishized and hypersexualized by, you know, the folks that do approach me more often than not. Mm -hmm. And it's just like, this world has so far to go. Right. Because so many people mm -hmm. are like, that phobia isn't real and blah, blah, blah. And again, so many ethical and sustainable and apparently accessible clothing lines still don't think about people like me. Like, right. um, there's so far to go. Like I would say we've come far from those early two thousands, low rise jeans, you know, those sleek and skinny girls being like the beauty standard, but even now, I mean, the beauty standard has come to the, the BBL body, right? Like right. the super tiny waist, the big ass. Um, and so it just, it takes a lot of work to remember that there is a place and a path for like fatness to exist and be celebrated in a way that doesn't over-sexualize us. Ooh, that's a lot to unpack there. It is, but it's, did you want to say something, Charmaine? I Mm, no, go ahead. Go ahead. No, but when you were talking, Celeste, I think an important piece that that I wanted to like kind of highlight is the health aspect of it, because every we can get into like the anti-blackness and racism and how that is connected to fat phobia, but specifically within Western medicine and and mm -hmm. its kind of approach to illnesses terminal illnesses everything always links back to fat people it's you always started uh-huh and that is such a problem on so many levels I actually had a debate I was visiting some friends and I thought I was gonna get put out of their house because I was absolutely like not okay with the comments that were being made about specifically Lizzo's body mm -hmm. um because it came up and and they're like well I mean you know She's probably not that healthy, right? Ooh, Katie. And I said, <laughs> what I would always say is, and how do you know this? Please tell me how you know this. Show me the and MD, like, baby. Show, show me, me the MD. Because like, you're not a doctor and, and, and I don't mean to cut and, you off, but you yeah. mentioned Lizzo. And I just, like, Lizzo is vegan. Lizzo performs on stage for hours at a time. Like, I think like this notion that health is connected to- like you have to be thin, like thin does not equal healthy, nor has no, it, it absolutely does not. And like, I, you know, I, I, I had COVID in December and got pretty sick, you know, had post had like pneumonia after dealing with post COVID syndrome to this day. Mm -hmm. And we're in August. And, um, so much of my frustration came from doctors that are like, just lose weight. And I'm like, you're looking at yeah. my labs. I don't have high blood pressure, right? I right. don't have high cholesterol. Yeah. I don't have any of the issues that you think I'd have, but even still like the bias isn't even just in folks. Like, you know, the folks that you said, we're talking about Lizzo, like it's in our healthcare system. It's with yes. right. doctors. And, and I think like, that's like, oh my God, like that's, that's like one of the things that kills me most because it's like health, like thinness does not equal health. Right. We look at, right. You know, you say Lizzo, I immediately think of Sweetie. Love Sweetie. She's great. She just got a McDonald's meal like deal that's mm -hmm. like this Big Mac and these mm -hmm. uh, chicken nuggets and whatever. And it's cute. It's cute mm -hmm. because she's thin and she a baddie by society standards. Right. 
Um, but it's not cute when it's somebody fat. When it's fat, now you're you're a doctor all of a sudden. Now you're concerned for <laughs> right. well-being yeah. and yeah. Yeah. diet. And like, it's just, it's so disrespectful. I just, like, it's just disrespectful because it's like, look at like folks like Lizzo that are super active, but also, right, like I follow like a bunch of like fat black yogis, right? That like right. really are so strong and so active and like society, like there's a death grip on this notion that like obesity is what's killing America. And I'm like- right. <laughs> there are other issues at play here you know what I mean and yeah. even still it, it it relates it results in everybody you know being like oh are you looking to lose weight oh is there something I can connect you to and it's like we're never given space to just exist I think that's true and I think that's the problem too like with when I'm talking to like specifically about health and and, and maybe more like wellness is it it, that those notions are killing people. People are being gaslit and dismissed because they take one look at you and they've already decided this is what your diagnosis is. And that's, right. that's completely um, dangerous and unfair. But I was thinking that, you know, maybe I want to hear y'all's thoughts on this, but like, I think when I think of fat phobia, um, I think that that is a very, it's a white supremacist um notion but it's also kind of like a a very anti-black thing because if you look at like I always think about the women in my family um all the women in my family have larger bodies and we all have like a certain kind of body type that historically I think is very like West African you see where I'm going with this absolutely I knew it I knew exactly yeah so there then you you look at like what modern day medicine is but let's take it back to like the people who decided what was considered beautiful what was considered healthy these are the same people that have colonized industrialized and set the standards for everything um this foundation that is America now and so I'm thinking like this was born uh out of like hate toward our bodies like hate toward black bodies black women specifically from those areas have always had larger bodies and 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 it wasn't like about the big ass big booty um but just like bigger women and it was always something that was celebrated and in my neighborhood like this is why I get so annoyed about the thick thing because everybody's saying thick now okay where I grew up when you started to get thick, if you aren't, weren't all, it was always celebrated to be full, whatever that meant for you. When I got to college and <laughs> I would see white girls who were, you know, probably my size um, and they were crying because they were mm-hmm. saying they were fat. Now it's, it's like you said, it, it's not the same, but it is along those same, like that same spectrum of like, it's acceptable to a certain extent. That's probably even more acceptable because it's like you said, like having the curves and all of that, or it's just enough, but not too much. But these are things that, that, that have deep racist roots. And so we can't talk about things like fat phobia without talking about, you know, anti-blackness and the anti-black racist medical, um, um, industry. And so that's, and Sherman, I know you probably want (laughs) to No, I'm, I'm, you know, just thinking in the health and the medical area just brings me to the BMI, which is a huge source of a lot of their, um, I don't even know the word to give it. Eugenics? (laughs) We're just going to call it ridiculousness. Oh, that too, yeah. (laughs) That's what we're going to call it. But that's, you know, the source of most of it. And even today, like all medical professionals know it's completely 
complete BS. Right. They all know that. They, do. they know it, it's not really accurate. They know it's, you know, not a good measure, but they will all like go to their deathbeds defending it because it's like the best, you know, measurement that they have. Mm-hmm. And like this, the whole system was based on eugenics. The whole thing it, was it this, is. this yeah. method of seeing who was like the fittest and, you know, the most, um, the top of the food chain really. And that was what the whole system came out of. And yet we're, we're, they, I'm not defending this. They are still defending this mess and still using it as a means to, um, basically, you know, to say who and who isn't healthy. And I'm like, and not to mention, I can't even remember the year it was, but without even saying anything to anybody, the, uh, the medical association, whoever it is, again, I think it's, is it the AMA? American Medical Association. That sounds right. Yeah, Yeah, I think so. (laughs) It is today. (laughs) But I mean, like, so they, they dropped the measurement for, they dropped the number. They really say nothing, but all of a sudden, like literally overnight, you know, half the country's obese because they dropped this number. Yeah. Nothing ever changed except for this number. It's like, it's like, if you're over 120 pounds, when you're five, four, you're obese. I'm like, no like and it's I again it's rooted in anti-blackness too like mm-hmm. like because who like yeah mm-hmm. just yeah but how can we just like stop policing people's bodies in general like why like that that and I was thinking about it because I, Celeste you were like you know you've gone to the doctor and you're like they automatically just say this I had high cholesterol <laughs> when I was 17 like it was bad like I was I was dancing still. Um, So by today's standards, I was probably physically looking fit. Right. Right. Whatever the fuck that means. Right. I had high cholesterol. I had Mm -hmm. so many issues. My acne was out of control. Um, And my knees also, like, I had some issues. Um, It was from the way I was eating and the way I was just living at that time. Um, and, and also I don't even want to get into, to nutrition space because that's also (laughs) problematic, but what my point is, is that that had like, I, I was a smaller physically seemingly fit person that was completely fucking unhealthy at 17 high cholesterol. Mm -hmm. So yeah, it's, it's harmful. And, you know, I think when I want to make a pivot here because you talked a lot about fashion and that is like something I, you know, I really have been working on my relationship with lately. There are so many different groups of people, but, and I can never say that I'm a part of those groups, but the way that certain groups of people, fat bodies get excluded from even simple pleasures as just enjoying beautifully like put together like garments is also a fucking issue. Like I, I know my sister will like, will, um, you know, shop or whatever. And, and, and her and my mom go shopping together all the time. Um, and they, they, I think their favorite place right now is probably Torrid. Um, but it, the price points are higher, right? Like, and I think, I, if, I think the quality is, I don't know. I can't speak to the quality, but we're mid. just saying quality it's, like mid. the price yeah. point, I don't think matches the quality, but Not then if all. you, if you shift to something like, you know, shopping for a brand that, you know, all the things that we care about is like, okay, this brand is being mindful of how their garment workers are being paid. Like then the price point is higher, you know, it's even more expensive 
like then like if I were to buy something and then you were to buy something, you pay more and it might be coming from the same place, right? A hundred percent. It just they do it based off of just even the amount of fabric they use, apparently right. justification right. $20 more. Right. And my issue with this is also like, but then I'm not even liking what you're producing. Like Katie, the quality, <laughs> the quality. And it's so funny that you mentioned Torrid because the first TikTok that I ever had go viral was me talking shit about how Torrid gives us floral prints and skulls and crossbones. And they're like, go ahead. You're fashionable now, right? They still given peplum tops in 2021, right? Uh, everything got a cold shoulder. And I'm like, like the brand, the few brands that we do have that we are able to frequent, like don't even make an effort to like follow like the trends or like to be in a space where it's like right. what's going to be available to you at a I mean not that you'd ever shop here Jesus like a forever 21 right or like mm -hmm. you know like the, the the options just don't match and and so it's funny you say that because I think about it all the time right before Torrid there was Avenue and Lane Bryant and I'm like you've got 17 year old girls out here dressed like somebody librarian and it's like the options are limited and and something else that I thought of too while you were speaking um is something that I think straight size people are super guilty of is when thrifting, buying things yes. that are three, four times bigger than their size yes. um, to like edit and cut it up and like whatever. And it's like, I get it. But then mm. like that is yet another ethical and sustainable space uh -huh. that big folks go to. Yes. And like they pull up and all the three X's are gone because mm. homegirl wants to design something or turn a shirt into a dress. And it's like- right people aren't thinking from like an inclusive mindset in, in, in that yeah. regard right? right like right they wouldn't like if I went and bought all the extra smalls and turned them into like leg garters or something like <laughs> you know I'm so I am so glad you brought that up because I'm glad you brought that, up that the whole yeah. time is just mm -hmm. like the secondhand industry and there's a, a girl that I follow on there and she's always changing up um the clothes and how she's doing trying to show people how to style clothes and like change up their grandma clothes but then she started talking about get your get them like two to three sizes bigger. And I'm like, please don't <laughs> literally don't. You're like, we're already limited to like one little rack at the Goodwill. Like, yeah, yeah. Don't do it. Like, yeah, I don't feel like I ever got to like truly enjoy like the thrifting like experience. And like, it's something I'd like to do because I'd like to stop buying so much from like a lot of these bigger brands. But like, where is the accessibility? To right. Do so, right. Right. Like, I'm either spending an arm and a leg or I'm searching through all of these various thrift shops that are ran through, you know what I mean? And it's like, so I like, I do not shop as sustainably as I would like to, um, because like, I'm just trying to find cute stuff. And like that in itself is a journey, right? Every time I have like a formal event that's coming up, like it is a whole ordeal trying mm -hmm. to find something that like is beautiful. And also because it's like, I think they still design plus size clothing as though we're trying to hide our bodies yes. and it's like no nah, baby exactly. I've learned to love all of this so right on this I stunt right right hey give me some yes. show it all and it's like it's still as though every industry still wants us to be ashamed or wants us to still aspire to right less but it's you know what everything goes back to capitalism and white supremacy right it because does think yeah. about the diet industry you think about um the elective surgery industry right like you think about like all of these spaces in which it's like okay, well, you're going to see that you can't get the clothes that you want here. So we're going to market you XYZ shake or uh, workout plan or what have you. And it's like, I think the diet industry has never given a damn about true wellness. Like in mm -hmm. any. Oh, no, absolutely not. 
Yeah. Like, just tell them dollar bills, y'all. <laughs> exactly. They don't care about wellness because wellness doesn't look like us all reaching 120 pounds and and starving mm-hmm. ourselves and mm-hmm. eating a thousand calories a day. And I say this to someone, right? Like, at, like as most big people, right? Like I've been in spaces where I've lost a lot of weight and then I've gained it back and I've tried every diet. You name a diet, I've tried it, right? Like, and when I was my smallest, right? I was working out twice a day. I was eating 1100 calories a day. Like that, like that was not healthy. Like my hair was thinning. Like, like yeah. that was not healthy. I'd get uh lightheaded because I wasn't having enough carbs. Like mm-hmm. it's just, I've had to completely relearn my relationship with food and like my relationship with like moving my body right? because of all the toxicity of the diet industry. And like, I, I don't know if I meant to make that pivot, but like, I think it's important to name, right? Because if mm-hmm. there were not fat phobia, then we could focus on true wellness and not exactly. just whatever's going to help us drop pounds quickly. Right. Exactly. And true wellness looks like creating safe spaces for people that with part. fat bodies. It looks like, you know, last year, Shaman, we were a part of that conference. I don't, I'm not going to say the brand. I know you have, we, 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 we've talked, <laughs> but um, there, I, I don't know if you tuned in that day, but they were like asking, like, how can we be a part of this? And it's the same thing. It's like, we need people with that with those lived experiences being the ones creating for people like it makes no sense for certain people to I don't think it's wrong for people to who are designers to um extend their sizes and make sure that they have sizes for all the bodies as many bodies as they possibly they should do that yeah and they should do that but I also think can we also stop taking up space for people who should be who represent those people and, ma- and support them and back them and encourage them. But we don't do that in sustainable fashion because there's only a handful of brands and Charmaine is one of them that has, you know, uh, larger sizes. So it's like, I don't like, I don't know. I'm, ta- I'm talking, it's, it's funny. This is a podcast, but I'm like talking all this through so I can figure out within you're ESJ, unpacking like, it, you're unpacking it. <laughs> yeah, you're unpacking. That's what's supposed to happen. But so I'm, I kind of yeah. want to, go back to something you said earlier, Celeste, about um, basically this almost idealized version of fat. Mm-hmm. Like as they starting to recognize that people are wanting more inclusivity and people are wanting, you know, big, to see bigger bodies because over, you know, two thirds of the country are, you know. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, I feel like I feel you on this this idea of this idealized fat body, that that hourglass shape, that um, no, no rolls, right? Not a roll in sight. <laughs> Where the rolls at? I, I need the Texas Roadhouse rolls. Where are they at? <laughs> like I'm, and I feel like it's it gets internalized, and we we like we don't even realize it, you know. Like, right. I feel like I saw this woman on the street, and I, you know, I'll be praising people on Instagram all the day. Mm-hmm. And I saw this woman on the street who had her, her stomach out and I was, and it, it took me back for a minute. Cause I'm like, she wasn't even that big. And I was like, hold up. But like, why am I not, why did that take me back? Like, why did that suddenly shock me when I see right. this all the time? And I, I had to think back and I'm like, okay, we're getting like fed very specific body types. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And if like, we don't think we've got some unpacking, even as individuals, yeah 
to do some unlearning it's deeply ingrained like I can't sit here I'm not gonna sit here and say just like anti-blackness we have to we have some unlearning to do with that I've internalized yeah it's, it's all there and so it's disturbing when I've been around people who the conversation of you know someone with an acceptable body type mainstream acceptable uh can wear something where they're showing pretty much everything every part whatever booty hanging out titties whatever and someone a few size larger than that can wear that same thing they're like that's not appropriate oh okay so then why can we can we dissect why this is not appropriate now um and it's, it's it's a similar conversation like to you know just having a curvier body in general certain things send a certain message because of the way we've been programmed that it, it's, it's suddenly seductive and suggestive mm-hmm. right but if you take someone with you know with um narrow hips and put them in the same thing it might not that message might not be received the same way right um hips like that no uh, what'd you say I said why are you talking about my hips like that no I'm not talking about no but no. I have nothing to say so Les, what would you <laughs> Well, I was just going to say that, like, yes, we all have internalized fat phobia, the way we all have internalized anti-Blackness, right? The way we all, like, we've all been conditioned to think of things in such binary ways, right? Right. Nothing is Black or white, right? Like, it, period. And so, but there's a lot of unlearning, right? It took me forever to wear a crop top out. Like, I was just like, oh, I I got my belly hanging out. Oh, you see my rolls. Oh, da 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 then I'm like, nah, this is my body and I look good. And if it makes you uncomfortable, that's on you to unpack and navigate. Like, right. I, it is not my responsibility to make myself palatable for whatever gaze, right? Whether it be right. for the socially acceptable gaze, the male gaze, right? Like, I don't exist for that. Like, right. I think, because like, like you said, right? There's something I could put on, right? And it's all of a sudden a problem or it's too much. But if somebody that is a hundred pounds lighter than me puts it on their fashion goals and doing it. Right. And, and why can't both just be right? Like, right. why does everything require commentary, whether internal or external? Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's it, right? Like, I think all unlearning fat phobia is about for me is like being able to exist and be comfortable in your body and thank your body for what it's carried you through, regardless of what it looks like. And like, treat your body with kindness, right? Right. And kindness does look like, you know, hydrating enough and like getting in movement where it makes sense and feeding yourself whole foods. Like, but kindness to your body doesn't have to equal starving yourself or killing yourself in the gym or trying to make your body, your body built the way it is, right? If you have polycystic ovarian syndrome or thyroid issues or whatever, first of all, it's no one's business, right? They're not your doctor, but- why can't people just be like, mm-hmm. but it's because so many folks are, are hell bent on believing that they don't have internal work to do around these issues. Right. Even so many people that share this identity, right. That are also fat people. Right. Right. Um, like they're viewing fat as inherently wrong. The same way society has always viewed black as inherently wrong. Right. Like the two issues are forever inextricably linked. Like right. um, it's just, yeah. And then I think like, even, you know, when you were talking about how if somebody with narrow hips wears something and somebody with wider hips wears something, it's all of a sudden sexualized, right? Mm-hmm, like mm-hmm. it all comes back to hypersexuality, which again is also a tool of anti-blackness because black women as is are sexualized from our youth. Right, right, right. right. Absolutely. So you add, you add a little extra meat to that, right? Mm-hmm. Then it's like, it starts even earlier. Like, think about it, right? Like the most disgusting thing I think of all the time is like, you know, have you ever been told like, oh, you can't wear that you know, your family's going to be here. Or there are men in this house or there's, I know. 
Ooh, right? Yeah. It's just like, yeah. Don't even get me started going a long rant about that. Look, <laughs> I just, but no, I'm just like, I'm just thinking about it all. And it's just, there's so much like unlearning to do and so much work to do. And one of my closest friends is actually um, working on um, creating a collective around uh, just like reading different pieces and writings about folks around like body dysmorphia and around like, mm. you know, fatness and around like relationships with food and mm-hmm. uh, around all of that and and um I'd love to share with y'all in the world like when that launches but I think that that there are fat folks there are you know bigger people that are writing about how we navigate this and I think it's on us the same way we expect non-black people to do the work to like find their role in like fighting for like more equity and access like mm-hmm. yeah same same concept it's the yeah, same absolutely yeah And I always think about, and this is probably a a good place to kind of, you know, Celeste, I know you, you probably have more that you want to share after this. Um, but a good final kind of like note is whenever I think of, of safe spaces, like I, I, I'm not talking about physically safe, Mm -hmm. um, because very, I mean, I don't know how many times I would even say that I've personally felt physically threatened. It is the mental and emotional stuff that I'm talking about. Um, When you walk into a room or if you're gonna, if you are even, if someone asks you, hey, do you wanna be a part of this fashion show? You'll have a whole mental gymnastics thing that you'll have to go through of like, what am I gonna be wearing? How how am I gonna be portrayed? Like those are things that exist or even something as simple like you're going on a date. Okay, does he know like what I look like? Does he know that I'm- that does he know that I'm a bigger body like those, I mean, like you know I'm or fat, the, right? do they not he just he but they in general like do they know that I'm a bigger body and it's just like that isn't that doesn't feel and I'm I can't speak to that in um in its totality but that doesn't feel like a safe thing and so like you said we do have to do our part to create safe spaces for people and we've got to like do our part to unpack this racist medical industry and, and dismantle it all because they're, it kills black women all the time. Yes. Um, but that's what I think every time when we're talking about unpacking these things, we unpack, the, we have these conversations, we unpack them so we can arrive at solutions that where we can say, this is the, this is how I imagine the world that we should live in. And this is what I want to work toward. And any work that we do, if it is not fighting for making space for people who are most vulnerable, for people who are more susceptible to these harms that we deal with on a day-to-day basis, then we're not doing shit. That part, that part, that part, that, I mean, you said it. I'll I'll drink my water to that, okay? (laughs) But we gotta do, we gotta get some better clothes, (laughs) right? Girl, give me something, give me, like, I still be cute, but it's like, I, I gotta finesse, like, yeah. I, I want to so bad my life just not one of these days though one of these days y'all just go ahead and speak it let's just put it out there into the I know day. that's right manifest it I got this it's, it's gonna happen I'm gonna have the full line that I I really want mm-hmm. I know you will I, I know you will it. and I'll be there ready to support because I need some cute fashion in my life <laughs> fashion is beautiful I love fashion so much and it just like, I know that not everybody has that same connection to it. And mine has certainly grown because I've been also very bored <laughs> with a lot of things. So I've been just like, 
uh, this is something. But I just, it's like, for me, it is a, a, a an art form. Um, I do think it's like a really fun way to express, you know, different layers of your being. And so when I think about like people who also love that, not being able to experience the fullness of it, it, it doesn't feel right. And so <laughs> Yeah, I, I do think I have a part with ESJ to do more to to um to make sure that that doesn't have to continue to be a reality. Absolutely, yeah. absolutely. And Shaman, your line is coming, twenty twenty two. There you That's go. Pressure. There. I love. You <laughs> have a little pressure. Can we say twenty twenty three? We'll say twenty two twenty three. How about that? Yeah. That's a good one. That's good, yeah. right? That you got you, that means that you could be December of 2022 going into like it. That's that's as far back as and that's my birthday it. month, so I'll take yes. it. Yeah, it does. I love so, it. Thank you for coming, Celeste. Um, before we you know end this beautiful and necessary conversation, did you want to like share with our listeners and our viewers of where they can follow you? Um, I know your TikTok is is the hot spot right now. Oh yeah, yeah, which I forget about all the time. So on TikTok, I'm Celeste Alana, C-E-L-E-S-T-E-A-L-A-N-A. My Instagram is that, but with an underscore in the front. Um, and my Twitter is Lest Alana, so L-E-S-T-E-A-L-A-N-A. So I mean, it's pretty easy. I'm pretty easy to find, but I mean, all you're gonna see is me mostly talking shit about a variety of issues and random thoughts that come to my head, as it should be, because it's mine. So. Thank y'all so much for having me. This has been fun. And I think it's an important conversation that we definitely want to continue to have. And maybe other folks that hear this and see this will start thinking more about how, how they look at these issues too. Yes. Thank you so much. This was great. Yeah.